When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, December 6th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, any big news coming out of the uh, winter meetings uh, in the last 24 hours that you care to share with us? Or uh, uh, it, it, You haven't been running around like a chicken with your head cut off uh, lately, have you? It's uh, uh, got to be real interesting. Uh, what, what's the latest from Nashville? <laughs> Joe, the... This is uh, crazy, man. It's, uh, you know, no trades, but uh, I think uh, you could still uh, call the uh, Guardians, uh, you know, trip to the winter meetings a success because they came away with the uh, number one pick in uh, next year's draft uh, at the All-Star Game. Uh, First time in history that uh, they've had a number one pick in the draft, and it's all because of the lottery system. Yeah, the the lottery system is two years old, so the the second uh, time it's been in play, and the Guardians moved from ninth position all the way up to number one. Uh, the two the three teams at the top, the A's, the Royals, and the Rockies, all had 18 percent chance of of getting that first pick, and the Guardians had only a two percent chance, and they leapfrogged over everybody. And actually, the the first drawing for that top spot. Uh, it was it, it actually went to the the Washington Nationals, but because the Nationals had participated in uh, the revenue sharing program last year uh, and had received money from that, they were not eligible for a top six lottery pick. So on the second drawing, the Guardians were able to to, to pick up the the top overall pick, the first time in franchise history uh, that that they'll be draw, uh, drafting at the top of the uh, the order. Uh, pretty amazing turn of events there. Uh, what was the reaction from Chris Antonetti as as you were literally speaking to him the moment that he found out? Yeah, we, you know the uh, they had a general man. The general managers were all in the back of the press room yesterday around two. You know, around just when the you know just before the draft uh, uh, started, at, or the, I should say the lottery started. The draft lottery started, and uh, you know he was he was he was answering you know the normal questions, and then Bart Swain. The uh, PR director came up and whispered in his ear and he kind of stepped away. You know, he started tweeting. Then he came back to the uh, reporters. But after that, every question, every answer he gave, he was kind of uh, you could tell he was distracted, you know, and and, you know, it, it, it was dawning on him that <clears throat> that, you know, the Guardians had just gotten a number one pick because, you know, he said he he kept looking at Swain at Bart Swain and more and more people were gro- you know, crowding around Bart. Um, and, and finally he kind of just kind of broke off the, uh, the interview session and, uh, you know, had to confirm it. Yeah. It's one of those where you burn the recordings because nothing he was saying, uh, sort of made sense when he was, uh, sort of distracted there. Uh, you can go back and you talk to him again later on and, and give, uh, you know, better answers, I think. But, uh, to, to see his reaction on, 
uh, the TV broadcast and, uh, you know, uh, the, the big hug that he gave, I believe, it was John McDonald who was there representing. Yeah, John McDonald was on on the stage uh, representing uh, Cleveland, and uh, Ethan Purser, the new scouting director, was kind of in quarantine in the room where they actually, you know, did the lottery. Yeah, and uh, as they as the 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 realization sort of dawned on them, uh, now it's it's it also means a a lot more work for some of these uh, these scouting department guys, and uh, you know, because because this is a, a draft pick now that they sort of have to hit. Uh, right. This is this is a, a pick that, uh, you know, in years past, in recent years, you know, guys like Adley Rutschman uh, at the top of the draft that were, uh, you know, obvious number one surefire picks. Uh, this draft right now, uh, as, as it stands, doesn't really have a clear cut number one guy. Yeah, uh, just uh, really, you know, I think, you know, I think they're just kind of diving into this. Uh, Ethan Purser, the new uh, scouting director. I mean, uh, all the, uh, you know, the Guardian scouts you know, kind of put, you know, have to kick it into uh, an extra gear. And, you know, I'm sure they've, you know, they've had their background work done on, on different kind of, you know, you know, the players across the country, but now they are, you know, they, they're, they're number one with a bullet next to them. So they've got to, uh, you know, they've got to find the right guy. They've, and they can't, like you said, Joe, this is, this is one of those rare things that just kind of happens. And, uh, you, you can't miss on this one. You know, you've got to you've got to, you know, pick the best guy you think in the country. And, you know, it's uh, I, I was just looking at this, Joe. They you know, since the since the start of the draft, they have had five number two picks, but never a number one pick. Mm-hmm. Steve Dunning, Rick Manning, Greg Swindell, Mark Lewis, Paul Shuey. But they were all second round picks, but uh, never, never a number one pick. Yeah, and 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 really sometimes that that number two pick in a draft where there isn't a clear cut number one, that number two pick might actually be like a little more reassuring that you know the other team has to go and uh, you know take that guy uh, first, and and if he doesn't work out, then they're the ones remembered, and, and you could get a good guy at number two. Uh, I, I think uh, being in that number one spot sort of changes things. This is an organization over the last you know, several, many years, uh, they've, they've always sort of picked in the, the middle of the pack in that first round because of their ability to, to be competitive and, and be successful. Uh, so there's a lot less pressure, you know, a little further back in the, in that, uh, in that first round to, to, you know, get a guy because you've got so many other rounds and, you know, you talk all the talk about how the baseball draft is so inconsequential because, uh, you're drafting for the future. You're not drafting for, uh, you know, win now in, in a lot of cases, unless you're at the top of the uh, the order. Uh, right now, you've got to be looking at if if you're the Guardians, you've got to be looking at the best college players who are the, who are the closest uh, to being major league ready in a in a short amount of time to to help this ball club uh, win in in a in a shorter window. Yeah, Joe, and it's it's interesting, you know, when. You know, the draft, when you draft players, they always say you can't draft for need. You've got to draft the, uh, you know, the best player available, uh, depending, you know, depending on that's usually what Cleveland's organizational philosophy has been. So it'll be interesting to see now that, you know, they really have, you know, a guy that they could draft, put on the fast track and get to the big leagues, you know, in a short amount of time or, or do, is there a high school kid out there that, you know, they really see a high ceiling for, and uh, you know, they, they, they would want to invest in him and knowing, you know, that it could take four or five or six years to get to the big leagues. 
Hoinsey, what if the best player available is a contact hitting shortstop? <laughs> what if if that's the profile? Uh, I mean, they can't take another shortstop, can they? <laughs> I don't know, Joe. The, you know, the, you you can't, but you know, the, you can't draft for the big league team's need. You know that you know the present need of the, your big league club. I, I don't think you can. You've got to go with you know the best player available. You know, according to the scouts. Now that's just me, but you know, but you know what? This this is the same team that what two years ago drafted. You know, eighteen. They had twenty picks and drafted eighteen pitchers. So you I'm, know. I'm, College, I mean, 20 pitchers out of college. Yeah, out of college. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think they can go in any, you know, they can go in any direction they want, I guess. Yeah, but I guess the, the difference here is, and, and this draft doesn't have it, but if there were a Bryce Harper out there, if there were a number one with a bullet who fits a need, and it, your need is a power hitting right fielder, if Bryce Harper were out there, you would take him number one, and you would expect that within a year or two, he would be your starting right fielder. That that's not going to be the case uh, with this draft, with what uh, with what we're immediately as 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 many Guardians fans I'm sure did uh, Google top draft prospects for 2024, and a bunch of different names came up, and and I've got a few of them here. I've got you know three guys that I took a look at really quickly. Uh, Nick Kurtz out of Wake Forest. He's a he's a first baseman. Uh, you know, a couple of these guys could they're first baseman and they could also play uh, in the outfield. But uh, you know, Kurtz is a guy who who had uh, a, a pretty nice year in his second year at, at Wake Forest. He's probably going to be one of the top power hitting uh, you know uh, juniors in in all of college baseball next year. Uh, between his freshman and sophomore seasons, he he went from 15 home runs to 24 last year. So uh, that's the kind of power and, and productivity that that the Guardians need. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm sure that'll that'll factor into this. Uh, you know, now you know they've got a new scouting director. Uh, you know, uh, Ethan Purser has uh, replaced uh, Scott Barnsby. Uh, so we'll see what kind of philosophy he brings to the table. Uh, Jack Caglinoni uh, out of Florida was uh, the Division One college baseball home run leader last year, 33 home runs last year. Uh, but he's a little bit, uh, while uh, Kurtz uh, sort of looks like he fits the Guardians' uh, hitting philosophy of you know not you know low strikeouts, a little bit better walk rate, uh, a little bit more contact. Uh, Caglinoni uh, looks like he's a guy who uh, can can have a little bit more swing and miss. Uh, but the the raw power is there. He's six foot six, hits left-handed. Uh, but the added uh, dimension for Caglinoni is uh, he can also get up on the mound and pump 99 miles an hour as a left-handed pitcher. Uh, and and <laughs> I, I don't know if if you think uh, if you're thinking Shohei Otani kind of stuff, but uh, it, it's at least an option. Yeah, you know, and two-way players are becoming more prevalent. Uh, you know, I would think unless this guy just uh, you know is is really an outstanding pitcher or, you know, whatever, you know, wherever his main skill set lies, I I would think the guardians would lean toward that, but who knows, maybe they'll give him if, you know, this is the guy, maybe, you know, they're intrigued enough to uh, give him the chance. Yeah. And and obviously we'll dive more into uh, a lot more of these prospects and we'll look at some pitchers obviously uh, because they could go that route as well. Uh, I'll throw one more name out here uh, as as if they want to go the, 
um, high school route if they if they decide to you know the the best available player is maybe in a high school uniform this uh, this season. Uh, PJ Merlando uh, from Somerville uh, High School in uh, South Carolina uh, is an outfielder and a first baseman. Uh, probably uh, the the best overall high school player in the draft, uh, position player wise. Six foot three and 190 pounds. A nice uh, nice frame that he can add some muscle. Uh, average speed. Looks like he's a, a corner uh, outfielder uh, with uh, with a lot of raw power, according to Baseball America. Uh, and and he can uh, recognize pitches and get the the barrel of the bat on the ball. So, uh, you know, if they decide to draft a, a high school player and you know draft and develop and, and take that route, uh, it could be even longer before we see a, a, a top pick as the uh, you know the the top prospect for the Guardians coming in. Yeah, and uh, you know that's that's the you know you you take upside you know over you know kind of immediate help if you t- if you're taking a high school kid and I think he you know he would really have to be a talented you know a talented player I mean Bobby Witt Jr. I think they drafted him right out of high school right uh, so mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know the kid uh, um, who's the top prospect in in the minors Jackson right? uh, uh, Jackson Holiday. Yeah. So, you know, those are those are kind of, you know, the, the yeah. you know, you can the, those players are out there. Yeah. But what did Jackson Holiday and Bobby Witt Jr. both have in common that, uh, you know, uh, P.J. Orlando definitely doesn't have? It's the it's the name recognition. It's the the pedigree and the you know, those guys are pretty much going to be can't miss prospects because their their fathers played for uh, and, and were top talents in, in the major leagues. Uh, I'm not saying that every you know kid whose dad played in the majors is a uh, is a can't miss prospect, but when they're rated as highly as uh, Holiday and uh, and Wit are, then uh, you know it's it's pretty much a sure thing. I, I just don't see that type of player right now, at least in this draft, which is which is typical for Cleveland, right? You, you get the number one pick the year that the draft is sort of a, a you know a gray area as opposed to a clear cut number one. Yeah, you know, the draft kind of, it can unfold in different ways. You know, there's always guys that come on, you know, late in the season in the college or high school season, kind of sleepers. And, you know, so it's, this is really going to be fun to, we were, we were talking about this before uh, the podcast started, Joe, just really fun to, to, uh, you know, follow this now to really pay attention, kind of to drill down on it. And, uh, you know, because usually, you know, the draft and, and with Cle- where Cleveland is drafted, you know, because they've, they've won, they've can won consistently. They've always, like you were saying, they've always drafted 17, 18th, 19th, you know, low in the first round. Uh, and it's, you know, that's pretty much a crapshoot then. But mm-hmm. you, now you've got, uh, you know, the top pick in the country. And uh, there's going to be a lot of attention on that pick, and uh, it's going to be fun to follow to see that you know who who just kind of you know who who kind of you know goes up and down among the uh, top prospects. You know who's hot, who's not. Uh, we might have to go to Omaha this year. We might have to to, to go out there for the uh, uh, for the first round to see what happens. I, I got to say, it's uh, uh, it, it, the possibilities are intriguing uh, for certain. So uh, looking forward to that as well. All right. What else is uh, is going on there in Nashville? The Opryland Hotel, uh, the uh, the center of the baseball universe these these last few days. Uh, I'm hearing that the, the Juan Soto to the Yankees deal might be uh, getting closer at some point. I'm also hearing that uh, Shohei Otani is days away, possibly from making a decision on his free agency. 
is is are the two of those guys really just sort of holding up the whole affair there in uh, in Nashville? Yeah, I think Otani is is probably uh, holding up uh, you know the, the whole pitching market. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pitchers, uh, you know, a lot of free agent pitchers available, a lot of uh, arms you know, supposedly available through trade. And I think uh, they're all waiting to see what the big dog gets, uh, you know, even though Otani can't pitch next year because of Tommy John surgery. So I think, yeah, and Juan Soto, you know, we've seen, you know, outfielders, other outfielders move. You know, the Yankees got uh, Alex Verdugo last night from uh, Boston in a kind of a rare trade between rivals. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, there is some movement there, but I think definitely Otani is is holding up maybe both, both sides of the market you know because you know because of his, his talent and because of his ability as a two-way player we're seeing that uh verdugo is is likely more likely to stay in new york and uh not be necessarily flipped in a, in a trade for for soto so there there's room for verdugo and soto in that lineup for the yankees uh however uh, a, a recent addition for the yankees when they they claimed uh oscar gonzalez uh from cleveland uh, on a waiver claim, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe San Diego's interested in in taking uh, Gonzalez as a, as a part of the return for uh, Soto. So, you know, you never know what what pieces are moving where when when trades happen. But don't be surprised to see uh, Gonzalez moving to San Diego. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh you know, hopefully wherever wherever Oscar goes, he lands on his feet and he gets a chance to play. And, he, you know, he takes advantage of that chance because, you know, the chance uh, was no longer, uh, you know, in existence in Cleveland. Uh, just uh, coming across news uh, today, the Ford C. Frick uh, winner uh, from uh, it, it, the um, it's sort of the radio side of that uh uh, Hall of Fame award uh, that's given out uh, annually, the broadcaster side. Uh, Joe Castiglione from Boston, 41 years uh, broadcasting Red Sox games. Uh, he is in, uh, obviously, Tom Hamilton, the longtime uh, uh, Guardians uh, and Indians broadcaster, uh, who was a finalist again this year, uh, didn't make it in. But we are, uh, again, we're 100 uh, percent confident that that Tom Hamilton will someday be in the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Uh, as a winner of the Ford C. Frick Award uh, this year, it goes to Castiglione, uh, and uh, you know just uh, another another year for Hammy to wait, but uh, we we know for sure that he's going to get in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Tom Hamilton has been what a uh, finalist for three straight years now. So mm-hmm. you know, keep he's got to keep knocking on the door. He's going to get in. You know, he deserves to be there. I think you know you and me, Joe, think he's the best in the business. So you know, I I really. Uh, Really think he's going to be there one day. And uh, hats off to Joe. Uh, you know, he got a start in Cleveland. He was, you know, he was a sports anchor on Channel 3 for a long, long time before going to Boston and getting a play-by-play job with the uh, Red Sox. So a good, good deal for him. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting um, uh, path and um, for Castiglione to uh, to travel to, to get there and to be in uh, – uh, in, in Cooperstown now, it's got to be a, an, an amazing feeling for him. Uh, as far as the Rule 5 draft, sort of the, uh, the conclusion of uh, the, uh, the, the sort of the wrap-up event of the winter meetings there in Nashville, uh, right after that, the, uh, the Guardians' uh, front office is going to bug out of town. But 
what uh, what do you see happening? I, I know Cleveland's going in with what one open space on their uh, their forty man roster, so there's a possibility of maybe adding a player if he's available uh, in in that forty man uh, uh, to that forty man roster through the Rule Five draft. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to add a guy, Joe. You know, that's why they, uh, you know, uh, DFA'd uh, Gonzalez, uh, you know, just before the meeting started uh, to create that open spot on the roster. And, uh, you know, you know, who knows? There's a lot of there's a that's you know, you talk about, you know, throwing darts at the wall. I mean, this uh, this is uh, this is, uh, you know, the, the rule five draft is 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 all of that and more. And, you know, some but still some great players come out of there. They get, you know, kind of players that are stuck in an organization or blocked in an organization. This gives them a chance to get to the big leagues. You know, the team that drafts them has has to keep them on the big league club. Uh, you know, the 26 man roster for at least 90 days of the of the, you know, the following season or they've got to offer them back to their original team. All right, just a few of the names that are, are eligible uh, to be taken in that list, uh, you know, from Cleveland, uh, Tanner Burns, Ethan Hankins, both, uh, uh, you know, draft picks, uh, higher draft picks from a, a few years back. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're they're eligible at this time. Also, Nick Mikulacic, who was on the injured list with Tommy John surgery, uh, and, and Josh Wolf, uh, a right-hander who was part of the return in the Francisco Lindor trade. Uh, he's eligible as well. And on the position player side, Christian Cairo, uh, a, an infielder who spent time at the Arizona Fall League for Cleveland. Uh, these are all guys who, who could be uh, selected by other teams in the uh, the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, Joe, and, and they usually lose a couple players. Uh, you know, a guy like Aaron Brocco is, is available. Uh, you know, he, he was, he signed a, you know, he was an international free agent and they, uh, that, uh, got, that Cleveland gave a lot of money to us, big signing bonus to, um, and, uh, Brian Lavastida, uh, you know, one, the catcher, uh, a catcher who I think two years ago broke, broke with the ball club, broke mm-hmm. with the big league club because of injuries. So, you know, and, uh, you know, he's, he's had some big league time. So, you know, the, there's, there's some interesting guys there. Micah Priest, you know, who had a great spring uh, last year with uh, Cleveland, you know, first baseman, outfielder, big, big, tall, strong. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know, he, he showed a good, you know, good swing. He, he drove the ball. So, yeah, you know, there's some there's some people out there that that uh, Cleveland could lose. Uh, some other infielders who who've actually, uh, you know, made some moves in the, the minor league system. Uh, Ray Delgado, Jose Devers, the, the, the brother of uh, the, the Boston third baseman, uh, and uh, Diane Frias, who uh, is another uh, you know, top prospect uh, in the organization. Uh, these are all guys who, who could be taken. Uh, you know, some of them are, are maybe a few years away from Major League ready, so you don't know if uh, teams are going to roll the dice in, in that regard. Uh, if the Guardians are looking to add at least one uh, uh, name out there, uh, and, you know, not necessarily a name uh, from it's impossible to know 29 other teams, uh, full development systems. But uh, what position might they be taking? Uh, might be might they be looking to target uh, in terms of uh, a guy who you would have to keep on the major league roster? Uh, is it easier like we saw with Trevor Steffen when they took him from the Yankees? Is it easier to maybe get a, a reliever that that maybe projects as a guy that you can be a, 
that can be a project that you can keep on the roster, uh, you know, like they did with Stefan that first year, uh, get him through, and then you've got control over him moving forward? Yeah, that's a great point because they were able to do that with Stefan. And one of the reasons was because, uh, you know, they moved him. He was a starter in the Yankee system. They moved him to the pen, you know, and it was easier to protect him in the pen. You know, they could, they could, uh, you know, quantify the way they, they used him in what situation. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that again, Joe. Uh, you know, get kind of a depth guy that, that could be a swing guy for him because, you know, they're looking to improve their, their start, their depth in the starting rotation and maybe Maybe they could get a guy that, uh, you know, could could do a little of both, you know, and maybe could be a starter down the road for them. Yeah. And even just thinking out loud, I mean, uh, they've got utility guys to back up positions like shortstop and, and second base and all that uh, who are, are already major leaguers. So, uh, you know, you don't need uh, to, to pluck a, a minor league guy and sit him on your bench uh, for the entire season. And 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 really the same with the outfield. So. Uh, the more and more you think about it, it's probably somebody who projects, like you said, a, a reliever or a swing guy who can maybe make a spot start here or there uh, for you uh, during the season. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap up uh, today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, uh, uh, I would suggest going out and buying a lottery ticket down there in Nashville <laughs> if you get a chance, because apparently uh, the luck is rubbing off all over the place. Uh, uh, and uh, and have a safe uh, trip back home uh, once the uh, the meetings wrap up. We'll we'll look forward to to getting you back here. Joe, the the winning ping pong balls were eight, fourteen, ten, and seven. That's what came up that uh, gave Cleveland the number one pick. All right. Well, we we know what we're uh, we're, we're rushing to the quickie mart to uh, to to put into the system <laughs> right now. So, Hoinsie, uh, we'll uh, we'll check back in with you uh, again later on this week. All right, Joe. 